Support comes from Kappa, presenting an evening with Fran Lebowitz, March 6th at the Southern Theater. The evening will feature an unapologetically opinionated talk moderated by Ann Fisher, audience Q&A, and book signing. Tickets at kappa.com. This podcast was recorded Thursday, February 16th at 10.37 a.m. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. Yeah, like politicians will call for tougher regulations before an industrial accident or a massive earthquake. Yeah, maybe tougher rules would have helped on the train tracks of East Palestine, Ohio, as well as uh, in those buildings in Turkey and Syria. I guess we'll play catch up now. Let's talk politics. This is Snollygoster, WOSU Public Media's weekly look at Ohio politics and all those Snollygosters or shrewd politicians who say everything is fine, but just in case, drink bottled water. Just in case. I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson, out of an abundance of caution. Anyway, coming up in the podcast, more evidence that the first energy nuclear bailout would have been more like a windfall. But first... We have House Bill 1, not House Bill 6, the one we talked about a lot, but we have House Bill 1. I guess we do have House Bill 6 now because we have House Bill 1, 2, 3, 4, all the way up to House Bill 30. Yeah, the House is making up for lost time. That Republican squabble meant no bills were filed, and this week the dam broke. First, House Speaker Jason Stevens outlined his legislative agenda with his Republican supporters. House Bill 1 would cut income taxes. It would also change Ohio's income tax from a progressive tax where the rich pay a higher rate to a flat tax where everyone pays 2.75% after the first $26,000 in earnings. Right now, the richest Ohioans pay nearly 4% of their income in state taxes. To pay for that, the state would use money now going to local schools and local governments. That's going to go over well. Other bills would help pay for economic development, increase affordable housing, try to make adoption more accessible and affordable, and ban the handful of transgender girls and women who want to play on female high school and college sports teams. Stevens told Ohio Public Radio's Karen Kassler this week that it is a sound legislative agenda. I think the theme that that I want to emphasize on that, Karen, is, you know, Ohio is important to all of us. We all want Ohio to be uh, our home, and not only our home, but others and our families. And by doing the things that we have listed, we believe that it is going to help make that happen. On the surface, the Stevens agenda is in line with what his Republican rival, Derek Marin, also supports. But Marin says there are gaps in the Stevens plan. One thing lacking from that agenda is a proposal to increase the percentage of votes needed to pass a constitutional amendment from a simple majority to 60 percent. The number one issue right now is protecting our Constitution from liberal interests that look to hijack our Constitution. We can pass whatever bill we we want in the House, in the Senate, but if we're going to allow our Constitution to be hijacked, it completely uh, ruins all the work that the people's representatives have done. That proposal is in the form of a joint resolution, and it has been assigned to a committee chaired by a Marin supporter. Marin says his caucus soon will present its own agenda. Pretty conservative agenda by by the Speaker. Certainly not not in lockstep with Democrats. No, they. I mean, the, the backpack bill is in there. That's the bill the that vouchers, would yeah. allow anyone in Ohio, not just uh, kids in troubled schools, to get a voucher to attend a private school. Democrats fiercely oppose that. Many Republicans support that. It has the transgender 
uh, girl and women ban in college and high school sports, vehemently opposed by many progressives. There's some. There's some Democrats have signed on for, to a few bills, though. Affordable housing. Yeah, mental health services, um, the adoption changes, but um, yeah, they are not supportive of the backpack bill at all. They think that they think that's a an arrow aimed right at public education, and um, right. They are also very much against the ban on transgender girls participating in sports in Ohio. Yeah, see, we're all looking for clues of what kind of deal the Democrats cut with Jason Stevens to give him the votes he needed to become speaker. Backpack bill was proposed by the current speaker. Doesn't mean it's going to pass. That's the thing, though. These are bills on paper. They've just been introduced. Some of these bills don't even have really language attached to them yet. So now that now that we have to watch how these bills progress, do they make it through committee? Do they make it to the floor? Yeah, the the big one out there would probably still be the 60 percent threshold for constitutional amendments. Um, as we said, that is still in the form of a joint resolution. It's been assigned to a committee chaired by a Marin supporter and is not a priority for Stevens. No, and the, the, the timetable for that is they have missed the deadline to get that proposal before voters. Because remember, this has to be approved by voters to get the 60 percent threshold onto the May ballot. They've missed that deadline. So the next deadline is in August to get it on the November ballot. And whether that happens is it's probably pretty doubtful at this point. We don't know. Right. And with abortion rights likely coming for the November ballot, it would not affect that. Right. We think that well, if, <laughs> we if, think if there are yes, because it, when the if the abortion rights amendment is on the ballot in November, the Constitution still only requires a simple majority. Right, you can't change the threshold while also voting on an amendment. It would yes. not affect that amendment you're voting on now and that, at that time. Those groups, they're they're all collecting signatures this weekend. I got an email today saying they're going to start collecting signatures this weekend. The uh, Protect Ohio Choice, whatever it is, the abortion rights groups. Yeah, and the physicians. Yeah, they seem to physicians have come together. for abortion rights. Um, so they're going to be out there this this weekend collect, collecting signatures. So I'd like to see what Marin's agenda is going to be. Uh, I kind of was hoping we would see that yesterday when we saw they were both going to have news conferences. My guess is Marin wanted to see what Stevens served up. And I don't know what's left. What's other than the constitutional amendment to the 60 percent threshold? What else does Marin support? Lord, I don't know. I can't. Maybe a ban on abortion, a more concrete ban on abortion than the heartbeat law that's in in effect. Actually, probably on hold right now. Yeah, it's a much further right wing of the house so presumably yeah yeah it could be a tougher abortion restrictions that could have been on the Marion proposal maybe a, a deeper tax cut a lot of republicans want to do away with the income tax completely this cuts it from uh, near four percent down to two and three quarters percent for the most affluent ohioans they would benefit most from this so yeah who knows outlawing public education i'm joking <laughs> i'm not sure that's gonna be out that's there. not gonna be out there Race might be a hot topic right now, but for so many of us, talking about race is nothing new. On the Code Switch podcast from NPR, we go beyond the headlines and we go deep. Listen now. Welcome back to Snallygoster from WOSU Public Media. Turning now to another story we have followed quite a bit lately that got more traction this week. One of the star witnesses took the stand in the Larry Householder bribery trial in a federal court. 
Householder and four others are charged with orchestrating a more than $60 million bribery scheme to get him elected speaker, pass a law to bail out two nuclear power plants in northern Ohio, and then kill a repeal effort designed to undo that law. Quite a few allegations there. One of Householder's co-defendants, lobbyist Matt Borges, is on trial with him. Another lobbyist, Neil Clark, died by suicide. But two others, Jeff Longstreth and Juan Cespedes, pleaded guilty, and this week Cespedes testified against Householder and Borges. Pretty dramatic testimony. Of course, we couldn't see it because it's in federal court, but those who were in the courtroom heard Cespedes describe a meeting in which a first energy lobbyist slid an envelope with a $400,000 check inside across a table to Larry Householder and said, our client cares very much about our issue presumably the bailout. God, straight out of Hollywood. Isn't it just an envelope sliding Absolutely. across the table? He apparently just peeked into it, according to Cespedes. Cespedes said another $100,000 check was given to Householder at another meeting. Cespedes testified the money went to the Political Action Committee Generation Now, which is not allowed to coordinate with Householder. Yeah, we also learned, according to Cespedes' testimony, that First Energy Solutions planned to sell the nuclear plants after the bailout and an executive with the company stood to personally make $100 million from the sale of the plants. It's not a bad gig if you can get it. Wednesday, jurors heard secret recordings made by undercover FBI agents. They heard the late lobbyist Neil Clark and Larry Householder plotting over how to pass legislation, how to thwart a repeal. They heard how money influences political decisions. It was really a deep look at the dark side of politics, whether or not that stuff was legal will be up to jurors to decide. It really, this trial is really giving people who are following it closely a really good behind the scenes look at something we all know was going on. But here it is on tape, in text messages, how the system works. Whether it's illegal or not is remains to be seen, but we are seeing how the system works with big moneyed donors and large corporations. Yeah, Householder and Borges uh, strongly claim their innocence. They say that he was just trying to save jobs, trying to keep nuclear power viable in Ohio, and, and that this is just hardball backroom politics and how it works. Yeah, suspicious testimony, damaging, compelling. He was a key ally of Householder. He was at the table when all this stuff happened, and he now admits that it was illegal. So if I'm a juror, I'm probably listening very closely to him. Yeah, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but he did say bluntly, I am guilty of the charge. I'm sorry to admit that, or maybe I'm ashamed to admit that, something along those lines. But he said, I am guilty of the charge. Yeah. And the other thing is, it, it, it it's really evident that First Energy and its subsidiary, their motivation was profit, pure and simple. It came out they were going to sell these plants right after the bailout. Imagine if that had happened. Right. You know, the, that is that a does controversial stand out here. bill to begin with. For if, years. I mean, it, remember, the, the bailout was debated for years. How many? How often did we talk about how much they claimed they needed this to save jobs? I know. And they were going to sell the plants. And you know what? They didn't get the bailout, Steve. And what happened to those plants? Still there. They're still there. They're still operating. Those workers are still employed. And we're not paying that extra bill, extra amount on our electric bills. It's so. This is really... There's no soundtrack and... <laughs> no handsome actors here, really, but this is Hollywood. This is great. Yeah, I hope that, you know, once the trial is over, I assume we'll be able to get our hands on these recordings and we'll be able to actually hear these folks saying what they're saying. Right now we can't because it's federal court and there are no, no cameras, no uh, you know tape recordings of the trial. So 
Coming up, we expect to hear from Jeff Longstreth. He was the longtime aide to householder. He's the money guy, Steve. He was in charge of transferring that money from First Energy to the householder affiliated PAC. He's the guy who's going to, as they used to say, follow the money, help the jurors follow the money. Yep, he, he rolled over. He's testifying for the prosecution now. We still don't know if we will hear from Sam Randazzo, the former head of the Public Utilities Commission. Also, still not sure if we'll hear from Attorney General Dave Yost or whether Larry Householder himself will testify. That is the big question. We're a few weeks in now. We probably have at least four or five weeks to go. Mm-hmm. That will be the big question. Does Larry Householder take the stand? Hopefully. I hope he does. It would, Again, I'm here for the nonsense. I'm here for the for the drama. I hope he takes the stand. I think he wants. He probably wants to, but his lawyers. He said don't he, want he has to. said he wants to, but he needs to. I forget exactly what he said, but he wants to consult with his lawyers. But he, he's dying to testify. Yeah, dying to clear his name. Uh, real quick, also, we need to make a correction. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we said that Governor Dewine had proposed a tax credit for each child. That is incorrect. He has proposed a twenty five hundred dollar tax deduction. Big difference. Yes. Two small words, but a big difference between them. A tax credit means you would get a check or a bigger refund for having a kid. A tax deduction means you'd get much less money. And the people who make low incomes would not get very much at all, That's right. anything. That's right. With the federal government, you get the child tax credit. They give you money per child. Tax deduction just lowers your taxable income. So we do apologize for the error, but it furthers our argument that would be Parents are not going to become parents because Governor DeWine wants to give them back a tax break. It's not even a tax credit. It is a minor, I mean, relatively minor speaking, tax deduction. Yeah, I think Policy Matters Ohio, a progressive think tank, put it at like $69 the average Ohioan might get back from this. So that's half, have, of, half of an electric bill. You're not, you're not going to make your family planning <laughs> no. decisions based on no, 70 bucks. No, I don't think bucks. so. Turning now to our Stalligoster of the Week segment, that is where we honor the shrewdest politician or political move of the week. And this week it goes to Norfolk Southern Railroad. Yeah, officials from the railroad were expected to attend a public meeting this week in East Palestine to discuss the derailment of that train and the contamination of the water and air in that area. Yeah, you've seen it on the news, surely. But they did not appear at that meeting, and the reason that they gave... They feared for their safety, which is uh, just a bit ironic because residents of East Palestine are fearing for their safety right now. Yes, they are. Well, Norfolk Southern says it is cleaning up the site of the derailment. It is reimbursing residents for the costs associated with the evacuation, and it has established a $1 million fund to help with the remediation. But for not showing up at the meeting and facing the public... Norfolk Southern gets our Snollygoster of the Week award. That was pretty weak. Good job, Norfolk Southern. That will do it for this week's edition of Snollygoster, which is part of the NPR network. As always, please be sure to leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcast. And as always, just tell your friends about us. For our student producer, Katie Genius, our audio producer, Eric French, and our digital producer, Michael DeBonis, I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson for Snollygoster from WOSU Public Media. Music.